evenings uh, to begin with. The verse that we focused on for the last few weeks uh, has been from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And we're on the subject of the eyes of your understanding. The eyes of your understanding. And that phrase actually comes from a passage in Ephesians chapter 1. But the, the eyes of your understanding, I think, really helps us understand what understanding is. Amen. It helps us recognize what understanding is. And understanding has to do with the way you see things. Um, the way you understand is the way you see. And if your understanding changes, then the, that means the way you look at things uh, changes. Praise God. And we see that Father God is wanting to enlighten the eyes of our understanding. He's wanting uh, His light uh, to uh, give us understanding. And light that comes from God means the ability to see things as they truly are. To see things as they truly are. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Okay, now let's come back to this verse, but let's look at a few others before we do. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, it says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Do you think about the, the profound revelation that's in that verse right there? Any, any individual who thinks they know that hasn't consulted the Lord, they, they don't know nothing. Amen. And this is, this is a real issue because we have an enemy who's a liar and a deceiver. We have an enemy who's a liar and a deceiver. And he feeds us thoughts and thinking and, and ways of doing things. And so many times we think we came up with that. We think we had that idea when it was the enemy who was feeding us that information. On Wednesdays we've been looking at some things out of the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned and fell. And in that experience, in that account in Genesis, God asked Adam a question. He said, who told you you were naked? And, you know, God says, why are you hiding? And he's because I'm naked, I'm ashamed. And God said, who told you that? And, and that may seem insignificant, but... It is very significant because for the first time in human history, a human being had reached a conclusion that didn't come from God. God didn't tell him. Adam got that information from an outside source. And if it's, an, if it's a source other than God, come on now, if the information comes from a source other than God, it cannot be trusted. It cannot be trusted. There's all kinds of voices in our world today, and I hope that, that you are realizing that not every voice can be trusted. There, there was a day when uh, our news media had integrity, but they have swapped integrity for an agenda. And so, you, again, it's information that can't be trusted. And yet we put so much confidence and so much trust in information that doesn't come from God. 
So Adam had come to a conclusion about himself, about his existence that came from an outside source, that came from a source other than God. And so notice now, uh, combining and connecting these verses together, the Bible says we've got to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding and all our ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct our paths. Why, why is that so important? It's important because the way of a man is not in himself. It's not in man who walks to direct his own steps. You were never meant to be the captain of your own ship. You were never meant to call the shots for your own life. You, you were created to be number two to God's number one and, and follow Him and let Him lead, guide, and direct you. God created you as, as one meant to be dependent upon Him. We, we were created by God to live on this earth with our trust in Him, depending upon Him. That, that leaning to your own understanding, lean, think, depending upon, relying upon, putting your confidence in. We were never meant to put our confidence in our own way of looking at things. We were always meant to live in, on this earth uh, understanding things the way God understands them looking at things the way God looks at them, seeing things the way God sees them. Because if we don't, if we don't get the way of life from God, amen, it's not in ourselves, and so we're going to get it from another source. And this makes us very, very vulnerable. It makes us very vulnerable. Now, I want to add one more passage to this, um, and it's from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. It says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Now we've, we've referred back to these scriptures many times over the years. I'm not going to try to expound upon all of this. Um, but the, the key thing is, if we're not trusting in God, the only other choice is to trust in men. Trust, and by the way, we're, we're human beings. If you, if you are trusting in your own understanding, you're trusting in yourself, and you're a man, and so cursed is the man who puts his trust in man. So don't let the devil, you know, confuse you with the multiple layers here. If we put our trust in money, money is something controlled by men, and so trusting in money is no different than trusting in men, trusting in men's system. And the Bible says that you're cursed. You're cursed. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, we, we live under the New Testament and the, and the curse has been done away with. Well, yes and no. Yes and no. The curse is still alive and well on planet Earth. The curse is still alive and well on planet Earth. Is there still poverty on planet Earth? Is there still sickness and disease? Is there still death on planet Earth? Amen. Is there still sin? On, so, yes, the, the, the curse is still here. You say, but I thought, I thought you taught us that Jesus became a curse for us. Yes, he did. He became a curse for you. As a matter of fact, Galatians teaches us that Jesus came under the curse that had us pinned down, lifted it off of us, and carried it away so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon you and me. But what did we learn a few weeks back? You can be a blessed person but still live your life on a daily basis under the, the conditions, not of the blessing, but of the curse. You can have faith but not walk in faith. You can be alive in the Spirit but not walk in the Spirit. You can be master of all but still live like a slave. Because we have to step up into the things that God has provided. We have to, we have to walk with Him and, and learn how to walk out the righteousness that He made us. Learn how to walk out the freedom that He made us. Now, 
the world is cursed. And again, we've done a lot of teaching about that over the years. And I know for some of you, these terms are, are maybe mean something completely different than what they are in the Bible. But to, to walk in the blessing, we do it. We, we, we what? We walk by faith in the Spirit. You can't walk in doubt and unbelief and in your flesh and still walk in and experience the blessing of God upon your life every day, even though He has blessed you, even though He has given you that blessing. Amen. Are you seeing this? But notice, let's, let's not stop there. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Confident expectation. Hope is confident expectation. Those who wait upon the Lord. To wait upon the Lord means to expect upon the Lord. To expect upon the Lord. I kind of freestyle down there sometimes when, when I, I'm, I'm, sometimes I sing in the spirit when I'm down there, but sometimes I freestyle in English. And so, um, those who wait upon the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord, then that third time I say those who expect upon the Lord. Because that's what it ultimately means. Those who expect upon Jehovah will pass to power. Whose hope is the Lord, for he'll be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green, and watch this, and will not be anxious in the year of drought. No anxiety. Your birthright is an anxiety-free life. If you will let the Lord teach you how to walk by faith in the Spirit, you will live and walk every day of your life free from anxiety. Now, some of you, anxiety is such a factor in your life, you, that almost sounds like some kind of fantasy. That is not fantasy. That is the, the, the birthright of every child of God. We'll not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. All right, let's go back now to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I want to talk about that. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Let's start with a few statements this morning. You cannot trust God and lean on your own understanding at the same time. It's going to be one or the other. It's like, you know, Jesus echoed and built on these things uh, in His first sermon and then, of course, throughout His earthly ministry when He said, you cannot serve two masters. You'll cling to one and despise the other. You'll be loyal to one and be disloyal to the other. He, he, it's, it's that same uh, truth. It's that same uh, reality as it relates to either trusting in God or leaning on your own understanding. You cannot do both at the same time. Now, I want to run through some truths that we have covered here in the past but I don't think we could ever be reminded of too frequently, okay? And the first thing that we know from Scripture is that God honors those who honor Him. God loves everybody, but He can't honor everybody. For God to honor everybody would be God signing off on, uh, on, on things that uh, are, are not only harmful uh, to the individual, but harmful to others. So God honors those who honor Him. He loves everybody, but He honors those who honor Him. And there is no greater honor than trust. Those of you who have been around Heritage for a while, you've heard me say these things many times. There's no greater honor than trust. And, and thank God for what we did this morning. We worshiped God. We lifted our hands to Him. We, we sang and we shouted and we gave Him thanks. And all that's very, very important. Okay, 
And, and that is a way, certainly a valid way, an important way that we honor God. But if we do all of that and do not trust Him, and I use the example, if my family was to brag on me for 35 minutes and then somebody said, yeah, but do you trust that dude? Well, you know, he, he really does make good macaroni and cheese. I didn't ask you if he makes good macaroni and cheese. I asked you if you trusted him. You see the difference there, right? <laughs> Where'd that come from? Amen. So, a, amen. Amen. All right. So we can talk about all that God is and all that he does and, and, and lift him up and praise him and exalt him. But it's, it's somewhat hollow if we don't trust him. There's no, God honors those who honor him. And there's no greater honor than trust. Now, let's, let's keep going here. God can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. God can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. So it's, it's one thing for Him to, to, to take the curse off of you and put the blessing of Abraham upon you, amen, and in you. For that matter, He's put His kingdom in you. Amen. It's one thing for Him to do that. But for you and me to walk that out in our life reality, uh, it's, it's going to require, require trusting Him. And God can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. It's, so I could spend a lot of time here, and we have in the past on these things. I mean, these brothers from the foundry, how many times have you guys heard me say that right there? I say that all the time. Because, again, that's, that's one of the great lessons of life is learning to trust and learning to love. Learning to love and learning to trust. What began in a garden is going to end at a, at a wedding feast and we're going to be the ones who are made one with Jesus to live with Him in, in, in positional and functional oneness for the rest of eternity. And this life is about finding out who wants in and who doesn't. Amen. It's about who, who wants to be a part of this eternal plan of God and who could care less about it. I think it was C.S. Lewis, somebody, one of those older thinkers in, 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 the, in the Christian way, you know, he said the door to hell is locked from the inside. See, we, that, we're all in for Jesus this morning. We're like, what? You know, but there's some folks who don't want anything to do with God. You realize Judas heard everything Jesus had to say, saw everything that Jesus did. But money, at, at, at the end of the day, so to speak, money was still more important to Judas this man, for money, gave up having his name on one of the 12 foundational stones in heaven. Now, you don't, you, you don't have to believe this. Go to heaven. But the rich young ruler did the same thing because Jesus already knew what Judas was going to do. And I believe when this young man comes to him, go get her, all these things. I've kept the commandments from my youth. Jesus said, one thing you lack, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And come follow me. Come be one of my disciples. I think he was the perfect replacement for Judas. You don't have to believe that. He said, Paul was the replacement. Well, amen. God's always got his ways. But listen to me. I'm, 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 sweet Jesus. I got to get some stuff said this morning and I'm going down a trail here. But let's just go real quick like. Do you have to give everything? Do you have to sell everything you own to be? No. Zacchaeus gave half. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, How difficult it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom. It's not about having riches, it's about trusting in them. 
And Jesus knew that this man's trust was in his money. And as long as his trust was in his money, he's going to lean to that and, and, and trust in that and not Jesus. And so he can't go where Jesus wants to take him. God can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. And so, again, God is trying to take you to a place in life you cannot get to on your own. And we all know that we were created for more than what we have experienced in life in the past. We all know that, that, that we were created to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. When I say we all know, I mean all of humanity knows this because it's, it's hardwired into us. It's, 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 it's a part of, of the very fabric of our, of our being. Amen? But see, the thing about it is where we ultimately want to be in life is where God created us to be in life. Where we ultimately want to live in life is where God created us to live in life. And by the way, that's defined by a lot of things. Dominion, ruling and reigning, having authority, all of these things that to have abundance. You say, well, that's greed. That's not greed. Satan tries to take the godly desires that that our Father created us with and put in us and manipulate those desires against us. We were all created to have authority, but not not to rule over and put other people under our thumbs. That's taken a, a, a godly... Remember when the disciples were arguing about who's the greatest? Jesus didn't rebuke them for desiring to be great. Instead, He told them how to be great. You were created for greatness. Satan tries to manipulate that desire in all of us for greatness, to greed and arrogance and, 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 and lording over other people and looking at other people as stepping stones to your destiny. And as Jesus said, the, the Gentiles, the, the people who don't know God, they look at the people they rule over as benefactors, meaning you exist for my benefit. That's not, that Jesus didn't see it that way. God's trying to take you to a place in life you cannot get to on your own. Now, key phrase here is take you to a place. Our understanding says something like this. I'm not sure I want to go anywhere, God, but just do it for me here. Do it for me here. Do it for me now. Remember Naaman, just wave your hand and bring this new and better place in life to me while I relax here in my comfort zone. Amen, I'm just trying to show you. See, he's trying to take you somewhere. But so many in the church today, they ain't going anywhere. And they're demanding that God come to them and do for them what they desire him to do for them without them doing anything. That was Naaman, right? I thought you would just wave your hand over me and heal my leprosy. I'm not interested in going and dipping in some muddy river. I've got clean, beautiful rivers in my own country. If that's all it took, I could have done it there. Right? See, it's attitude. So God's trying to take you to a place in life you can't get to on your own. Our understanding says, no, God, do it for me here. Do it for me now. Just wave your hand and bring this new and better place in life to me while I relax here in my comfort zone. And we spiritualize this dysfunction by calling it waiting on God. I thought this was kind of a clever thing the Holy Spirit gave me. Waiting on God and treating God like a waiter are far from the same things. See, a waiter, right, you sit there at your table and you want the waiter to bring you some tea. Are you, you know what I'm saying? Hey, garçon. <laughs> Needs, <laughs> my, my family taught me a long time ago because, you know, there's something about, um, some of you know this, genus, genus parents uh, are, are deaf and they communicate with sign language. And so I so want to try to talk to them in sign language, except for I don't know sign language. 
but I try to make it up, you know, and it's like, oh, don't do that, right, you know. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not, they're so gentle, I mean, they're like, just, amen, right. And then I get, you know, years ago, I go to the Mexican restaurant, and I would try to, you know, speak Spanish to the waiters, you know. And um, Bethany said, Dad, you just ordered a childhood disease. Because polio and polio, however you say, somebody, how do you say, how do you say chicken in Spanish? Polio, po- see, I still can't, polio, see, I ordered, I ordered, I ordered some rice and polio. And, uh, you know, you know so, <laughs> help us Jesus, right? Amen. So, but when we're at a restaurant, we, we stay there and other people go back and forth and bring us stuff, right? That's different from going, Right? So waiting on God is, is not treating God like a waiter, waiting for him to bring you what it is that you want or are expecting in your life. You see, from where you are right now to the place God wants to take you involves a journey. The sooner you come to that conclusion, the better. We were singing about it. It's a, it's a walk. When I end my race, as long how's it, until I run my race, until the end of my race, right? We, we are in a race. You don't race sitting still. You, you race, there's, there's, there's effort, there's movement, there's a journey. This is, this is going to help you. Just stay with me, please. From where you are right now to the place God wants to take you involves a journey. And any journey involves a way or a path to get from where you are right now to where it is that you're supposed to be. And a specific destination... If we're just talking about a random, you know, sometimes every now, and, every now and then Pam will say, let's just take a little ride. And what does that mean? That means she just wants to get in the car and me drive around for a little while. Okay. No specific destination. That's different from um, going to the grocery store. Are you following me? Okay. So a specific destination requires a specific path. You don't get to Tennessee following the same path that takes you to Florida. So follow closely here. A specific destination then requires a specific way. A specific way. And God's ways to get you from where you are right now to where he wants you to be in life, right? God's ways are higher. God's ways are higher than our way, our ways, the Bible says in Isaiah 55. So higher equals above, different, and better. They're above our ways, they're different from our ways, and they're better than our ways. And so the greatest threat then, watch this now, the greatest threat to God's ways producing God's results in your life is your own understanding. It's your own understanding. Because His ways, by nature, the Word of God lets us know that His ways are different, higher, and better than our ways. Okay? See, we want God to work in our lives, but we want Him to work according to our ways. That's what I've been, I say, that's what the Holy Spirit's been trying to communicate to us through our conversations involving Naaman over the last few weeks. Naaman needed God, he wanted God to help him, but he expected God to do it according to his ways instead of God's ways. Naaman expected God to work according to Naaman's ways instead of according to God's ways. So the greatest threat to God's ways producing God's results in your life is your own understanding. The pathway from where you are to the place God has for you is a way. It is a path you have never been before. That's the Bible. The Bible says this, right? He's he's got a way out for you, but it's a way you've never been before. 
So leaning on your own understanding locks you into the same old path that leads you back to the same old place over and over again. I'm just trying to break it down. This This is how the Holy Spirit impressed upon me to give this to you this morning. Okay, I'm just trying to show you something here, right? So leaning on your own understanding, this is the enemy is the one who who does not want you to trust in God with all your heart. The enemy is the one who's wanting you to lean on your own understanding, because as as long as we've we've already said this, as long as you're leaning on your own understanding, you're vulnerable to input from a from a, a, a source that's different from God's source. His word is truth. His source is truth. Satan always brings some type of deception or lie into his uh, ways. And so when we lean on our own understanding, how we see it, how we think it ought to be done, how we think it ought to go, how we think it ought to play out, right? When we lean on our own understanding, we've, without realizing it, we've locked our way into a familiar path that keeps taking us back to a familiar place. And it's like we can't break out of this cycle. Well, as long as you've taken the old path to the old place, you're going to keep taking that old path to the old place. The only way to get to the new place is a new path. Now, part of... A big factor in all of this is control. See, again, God created you and me to be in control. He created us to rule our our environment. He created us uh, to, to, but never apart from Him. I like to say it this way. God didn't just create you to rule over you. He created you to rule through you. And so ruling and reigning in life is hardwired into us. And so the way Satan manipulates that is he tries to make control freaks out of all of us. That we got to somehow, you know, micromanage everything about everybody else's life in hopes that that's going to somehow bring, uh, you know, structure and order to ours. Trying to control other people. God didn't create you to control other people. Now, I know there's such thing as self-control, don't misunderstand me, but even then, the only way you're going to ever control yourself is if you surrender to God. Leaning on your own understanding, you can't even control yourself, much less control somebody else. But I think sometimes we, we substitute doing what we need to do for ourselves by trying to, amen, let's just leave that alone for a few minutes, right? But we try to mess with other people instead of letting God help us with what needs to be helped in our own lives. As long as we're focused on somebody else who's doing something worse than what we think needs to change in our lives, it gives us a feeling of moral superiority. And again, it's just all lies, it's all deception. Okay. Now, here's the thing. All the ways of God require you to trust Him. You'll never do it God's way apart from trusting God. Do you see how this works, right? So are you seeing where the, where the, 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 the tension comes, right? Now here's one of my favorite life verses, Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30. Jesus speaking, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So again, we see a very important pattern here. Jesus says, come and I will give, learn and you'll discover. Come and I'll give, let me teach you, take my yoke upon you, enter into the discipleship process with me, and I'll teach you how to live free. I'll make you free, but it's one thing to be made free. It's kind of like having a computer without the software, right? So our... this isn't in my notes, but the Holy Spirit, meditating on this early, early this morning, He said, tell people their understanding hasn't been born again. 
Your spirit's been born again, but your understanding hasn't been. You've got to, get, you've got to receive that understanding from the Lord. And, and that's not just a one-time thing. Salvation, being born again, I mean, you pass from death to life in, the, in, the, in an instant, okay? But we need understanding every moment of our lives, every day of our lives, every moment of our lives. And so notice we receive that understanding by, by being yoked up to Jesus. Now, I know this may be obvious, but let me state the obvious anyway. You don't put on a yoke to kick back in a recliner. Are you, you follow what I'm saying? A yoke, if you've got a yoke on, you're going somewhere. You're going to work. You, you saddle up your horses, buddy. We're going somewhere. Let's, let's get about it. Let's be about it, right? So again, do you even, even do you see this? Jesus didn't say, Jesus didn't say, sit down in that chair now and let me teach you. He said, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, we're not going to learn just by listening. We're going to learn by doing. We're going to learn as we go. Now watch this. Learning as you go requires, guess what? Trust. This is where so many of the body of Christ are today. No, no, you explain it to me first, Jesus, and then I'll decide whether or not I want to do it. See, we want to hear it first. Abraham says, okay, God, I'm I'm interested. Where are we going? I'll tell you when we get there, son. All right, let let me get stuff packed up. And notice now the trust there. The trust. You don't even know where he's going. He's just... God's want to take him somewhere and he's, he's ready to go. He didn't say, no, no, we got, we got to get a contract or something here, God. I mean, I, I need to know what I'm getting myself into before I commit. Do you see? Here's the thing about salvation. We have no idea what we got ourselves into the day we committed. But we got ourselves into something good. I'm just saying. I've been saved a long time and I'm still, I don't even know if I've scratched the surface yet of all the good things I got myself into. Amen. I'll still be learning about it a thousand years from now. But now, see, again, it's one thing to be born again, but it's another thing to walk by faith in the Spirit. Two oxen and a yoke are going somewhere. And they're going there together. They're going there together. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Praise the name of the living God. Luke chapter 17. And I'll put it up on the screen. Ten lepers, ten lepers, they wanted Jesus to do something for them. What do you think they wanted him to do for them? They wanted him to to cleanse them of the leprosy. So look at this in verse 11. He says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So Jesus was going somewhere. But one thing that we see here, and, and, you, and I don't, don't be offended by this. Let the Holy Spirit reveal some things to you about this. He was not going to find these ten men. Je- Sometimes Jesus was told by his father, you go sit there at this time of day on this well and you wait for this lady to come. And he did that. But other times we see that blind, why do we keep calling him blind Bartimaeus? Healed Bart- Bartimaeus, right? He was blind, but now he's healed. Amen. Jesus help us, right? Prodigal son. No, he's not a prodigal son. He's a restored son. Bartimaeus, who was healed of his, of his blindness. He's crying out for Jesus. The, the woman who had the issue of blood. Jesus wasn't going to her house. He was going um, to uh, Jairus' house. This woman crawled through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. Jesus wasn't coming to find these ten lepers. These ten lepers went after him. Come unto me. They came. 
Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Because their leprosy meant they couldn't uh, intermingle with people who uh, were healthy or who didn't have leprosy. And notice it says, they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So they're crying out from a distance. So when he saw them, he waved his hand over them and said, leprosy be gone. Is that what he did? No, when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. They didn't sit there and wait for Jesus to wave his hand over them. The Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. Now, if you understand the, the Old Testament regulations and ordinances, any person who had leprosy was an outcast. They had to be, they had to quarantine permanently. If they ever went into a, a place where there were people, they had to ring a bell and shout unclean and the, and it would be like parting the Red Sea. Crowds would part and let them through. It's horrible, horrible disease. Stigma, all that. And so any leper who thought they were cleansed of their leprosy, they were required to go to the priest The priest would then also quarantine them and examine them over a period of time. And if indeed the priest said, you know what, you indeed are cleansed from your leprosy, then they had to offer certain offerings and things like this to God. And then they were free. They got a stamp of approval to go back into society as as a person who had leprosy but has now been cleansed of it. So when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest... Any leper in, in, in this part of the country knew exactly what that meant. That meant go show and tell the priest that you've been cleansed of your leprosy. The only problem is when Jesus said go show yourselves to the priest, they still had leprosy. Now I offer to you this morning that if they had leaned on their own understanding, they would have not been cleansed of their leprosy. What Jesus asked them to do did not make sense. Those who lean on their own understanding in this situation would have responded something along these lines. No, no, Jesus, you heal me and I will go to the priests. Notice, this is, I'm trying to show you what I'm talking about here. They're wanting him to heal them. Jesus says, okay, go show yourself to the priest. No, 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 Jesus, you heal me first and then I'll go show myself to the priest. So notice they're saying, heal me and I'll go to the priest. Jesus said, go to the priest and I'll heal you. Man, Jesus, help us, Holy Spirit, please help us. Please help us here. Remember Naaman, he expected Elijah to wave his hand over him and make him clean. This is the stalemate so many find themselves in with God. Increase me financially, God, and I will give. No, Jesus says, give, and I will increase you financially. Our own understanding tells us we don't have enough money to pay our tithes and give. So do you see how our own understanding is preventing us from trusting in God? It's not about the... Listen, I am convinced of this. Please hear me. (laughs) That's a strong... I'm not going to say it that strong, Lord, because that wouldn't be you. I was going to say God could care less about the money. He paved streets with gold. So how important is $20 from me and you? Let me tell you what, let me tell you what's more precious to him than gold. Your trust in him. It's not about the money. 
It's about Him teaching you to love and trust. With a substance. With substance. Talk's cheap. With substance. Our own understanding tells us we don't have enough to pay our tithes and give. So do you see how our own understanding in this situation would prevent us from trusting in God? Now, if you combine leaning, listen to this one. <laughs> We're going to have communion here in just a minute, all right? You praise God. Everybody okay? I did, I'm, I'm not trying to, maybe I should, and change the tone of my voice. But I'm, I'm excited about this, not because it's difficult to hear, but because we're getting to the crux of it, right? We're getting to, we're getting to, you know, we can talk all day about, you know, glory to God, praise Jesus, you know, but when, when are we going to get to down to the brass tacks of trusting in him, right? Now, if you combine leaning on our own understanding with our insatiable desire to feel something, to feel something, you see why so many people never trust God. We, we keep looking for some feeling to confirm that something's happened, that something's... We just, it's almost like we're just grasping for it. We want to we feel something. What did the ten lepers feel when Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests? They didn't feel anything. They didn't feel healed. Matter of fact, I, I could probably make a pretty good argument that if they felt anything, they felt confused, frustrated, and disappointed. All right, a few questions. We'll make it plain this morning. Whose understanding got name and healed? Whose understanding got name and healed? Did Naaman's understanding get name and healed? No, it was God's understanding. That got name and healed. Whose understanding got the ten lepers cleansed? <laughs> it, it wasn't their understanding. And thank God, I, I, I define desperation as being desperate means you're willing to try options you previously had dismissed, right? <laughs> you, you know, when you die in a leprosy and somebody you believe has the ability to heal you says, go show yourself to the priest. It's like, well, what do we got to lose? But it was as they went, right? What would have happened to these men, the ten lepers and Naaman, if they continued to lean on their own understanding? Now, how about this? Whose understanding will cause you and me to walk in financial abundance no matter what happens in the world's economy? Do you see this? Do you see this? Trust like character is built in the tension of of the moment. What do we mean by that? You can't go to the grocery store and buy a pound of character. And you can't go to the grocery store and buy a half pound of trust. Only one, only one way to get character. And it's developed in the tension of the moment. What does that mean? That means when everything in you wants to quit, but you endure, you persist, you just increased your endurance. How can we ever become more loyal people apart from being loyal? And how can we ever, again, trust is developed like character in the tension of the moment. We say it this way at Heritage. There's only one way to learn to trust God, and that's by trusting Him. 
<laughs> you can't learn it any other way. When our own understanding comes into conflict with God's understanding, we have to make a choice. Everything I've said up to this moment, I'm saying, I've brought us to this one point right here. When our own understanding comes into conflict with God's understanding, then we, we, we've got a choice to make. Are we going to keep doing it the way we understand it? We could really have spent more time there with those ten lepers because this is where the devil really likes to try and confuse us is when if he can use something God has said. Right? When Satan comes against Jesus, Jesus says, um, it is written. So then he comes against Jesus again and Jesus says, it is written. And then the devil just comes right back at him. It's also written. Right? You see? In other words, the, the, the devil, I'm sorry, the devil says it's written and Jesus says it's also written. So the point I'm trying to make is the devil will try to use God's own words to confuse us. So Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. It's kind of like what we were talking about last week, you know. I mean, what does that really mean? Does it really mean go show yourself to the priest or does it mean, you know... Could have, could have tried to confuse them there. We have a choice to make. Am I going to continue to do things according to my own understanding? Am I going to continue to lean on my own understanding? Or am I going to do things according to God's understanding, which would be what? Equal to trusting in Him. Amen. Matt, Daniel, Vanessa, y'all come on, please. Praise God. One of my assignments is to help God's people, servant leader in the body of Christ, is to help God's people walk in all the things that Jesus paid the ultimate price for us to have. You know, I mean, it's it's Christmas and you know, people we love, we're trying to figure out what to, what to get them, to bless them, you know, give them a Christmas gift. And, and um, I've almost got to where I just take Pam shopping. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes I knock it out of the park with a gift and sometimes not so much, right? Because ultimately, if you give somebody a gift, you want them to enjoy it. Right? If I ever give you a gift that doesn't fit you or you don't enjoy, please, let's, let's, let's go get another size, another style. Amen, because that's the whole point of it is giving it to you so you can benefit from it, so you can get some use out of it, so it can make a difference in your life and, and what have you. Amen? So put yourself in Jesus' shoes for a moment. The price that he paid to make us what he's made us and to give us what he's given to us and 99.7% sits on a shelf in people's spirits. 
have no idea even that, that he's done it for them, have no idea that he's even given that to them, much less far from that inward reality becoming an outward expression of life, actually enjoying, actually walking in the Spirit, not just being alive in the Spirit, but walking in the Spirit. He gave us faith, fully intending on us to use it You ever those deals where you give somebody a gift and they don't use it because it's like too pretty, you know? Scratch it up, man. Get out there and use it. Put it to use. It's rugged. Faith isn't, faith is, man, faith will fight every battle. Amen. It's a tool. Tool's meant to be used. Amen. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying here? There's a huge disconnect somewhere. And we see it. It's, it's in the scriptures. It's, it's not like this is a mystery. We have no answers for it. It's, it there's, it's, it's right here in the Bible. But Some could say it's, it's more complex than that, Pastor Mark, and, and you could make a case for it. But this is, this is where the Holy Spirit has me of late, where this is concerned, okay? It, it comes back to understanding. We have our understanding of these things. We have denominational understanding of these things. We have religious understanding of these things. We have traditional understanding of these things. And those are the understandings of of all these promises that we lean on. It's kind of what we were dealing with last week. You know, you buy the new car and it's supposed to have heated seats. And the dealership tells you, well, they're not for everybody. Or it doesn't really mean that. Or that was only for the founders of the company. We would never accept that. But yet when it comes to the things of God, that's the understanding so many people have of some of the most precious promises, some of the deepest desires in the heart of our Creator Father for you are dismissed with religious understanding and traditions of men making the Word of God, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, of no effect. Praise God. Amen. The men who are going to serve communion, if you would come this morning, praise God. If you're a guest with us, we would love for you to participate in communion with us. Uh, If you're a born-again person, member of the body of Christ, then you're part of us. Amen. Amen. If you're served first, if you would, hold your emblems until everyone's been served, and then we will um, partake together. Praise God.